Welcome back to the Rachel LaForce Show. That's right. It's me, Rachel LaForce, and this is my show. I'm so excited. You guys, it's been a minute since we've had a uh, a guest, and today I'm going to do my best to not just tell you everything about him. I want him to tell you some things. I'm so excited. Uh, this is uh, author? Oh, my goodness. Author, magician, performer. There it is. Uh, please welcome to the show, Nick Paul. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. It was, I'm glad we were able to, to make this work. This is going to be fun. This is so exciting. Okay, so I've just got to tell everybody how we know each other. We're going to start there. Okay, so we went to Columbia College. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where we met, right? Yeah, I think I've known you longer than I've known you longer than I've known my wife. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's probably wife a long time. that's probably true. When, yeah, when did you and Kristen meet? Two thousand eight, and I think you and I started doing improvs in like what two thousand five, maybe. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's so yeah. I know. What was um what was our so you you did the improv team at Columbia, right? Yeah, I think I tried to get it because you were on there was like two things. There was like the actual team and then okay. there was just like the fun workout group. They didn't want to tell us we weren't good enough to be on. <laughs> and, and I was in that group for like a year or two. And I rightfully so. I was awful. Um and then, yeah, you were on with a whole bunch of very talented people. And then eventually, I think we all got on the team and it was... Uh, was it Drop fun. in Science? Drop in Science was the name. Drop in Science. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in so long. It's weird how you... Yeah, you you. those are those things. That, it seems like, like kind of high school theater, too. Those things that really define your persona. And then yeah. you forget about them. And like you hit your late 20s and your 30s. And you're like, I need to be an adult now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was a blast, and you were always like so kind and so fun to perform with, and I always like had a tough time not breaking being in scenes <laughs> with you because you're always so funny. Oh, thanks, I appreciate that. And then, okay, and then we went to. Were you in um, conservatory at Second City with Casey? No, you guys were. I, think, I pulled before. you in from Drop in Science. Is that how you joined Wildcard? Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. Okay. Because we were never in like the same Second City Conservatory group or like um, Comedy Studies group. We were all kind of like a couple years off. But um, yeah, I got a call from like you and Casey, and then <laughs> it's funny you forgot about Drop in Science. I literally forgot about Wildcard. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't forget okay. about it, but it's just like one of those things that. Yeah, you know, you know someone for so long, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did that thing. Oh, we did yeah. that thing, too. Yeah, we did that thing for, like, quite a while. Yeah, and I, I was so bummed because I had to leave. I moved down to Orlando with Kristen. And oh, yeah? Was, you don't know how depressing it is to go from Chicago improv to Orlando improv. <laughs> and I'm not crapping on any of the people that performed it because they were all very funny and great and, like, really great with games and stuff and stuff yeah. I'm terrible at. But I just remember being instantly a terrible improviser again because I couldn't trust the people I was on stage with and they didn't trust me because they're like, Who, who's this guy? Yeah. And I just, I got so depressed. <laughs> I, I really f- missed it. I forgot that you guys moved to Florida. Okay. So, yeah, I know everybody that's listening and they're like, what is happening? It feels like, the, <laughs> like, we're just, just going to reminisce. People like, who the hell? Why, just why we- comedy Da Vinci Code uh, for an hour. <laughs> but uh, I think it's important. And, uh, you know, so skip ahead if you don't like old friends catching up. What are you, a monster? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So we did, you know, well, and the reason why I think it's important to go back and talk about it, though, too, is to your point where it's like they were such defining moments and like who we are as performers because so we had done that together and then yeah you guys were in Florida I was in Chicago then I don't know seven more years or something but you and Kristen and I all moved to LA around the same time yeah knowing people like you and having other friends from Columbia like really made it an easier process you know like I think we went there in 2015 and you know, I had like no friends in Orlando and I was just like, oh, I don't know anybody. And then we looked and everybody's in L.A. and Kristen really wanted to go to L.A. And it made, you know, just having a, a group of people, even if you don't see them that much, makes yeah. such the difference in like terms of like not being lonely. And it's like I have such yeah. compassion for uh, people who are lonely who don't have friends because it's like I experienced that for four years in Orlando and it sucked. Like I knew people, but like you didn't really hang out with them in the same way you would in Chicago in college or 
um you know just the way here where everybody's kind of somewhat doing the same thing even if it's not you know you're you're all in the, kind of the same boat together here in la which is um i think la gets a lot of crap but i think that's one of the good things about la is everybody is just trying to to work and make it make it work okay i completely agree because i mean i left la for like a myriad of other reasons but i will always say that it's like la has great people and I think that was one of like the biggest misconceptions I remember where before moving and everyone's like, oh my God, LA, everyone's like so mm -hmm. fake. Everyone's so fake in LA. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I met people that like are sacrificing so many things to do what they love to do. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of other places where it's like, oh, everybody's in this together, even if seemingly like competing or like what, like there is this sense of like, all right, I see your hustle, you know? Yeah. And I always really appreciated that. Kristen like found a really funny quote on, um, overheard LA. I think I'm butchering it. And it's, of course, it's a bit pretentious and very LA, but at the same time, very true. Um, it's like, it's something along the lines of, of course, everybody in LA stuck up. It's all, it's a whole city of people that were too good for their hometowns. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It's awful, well, but it's, it's kind of true. Well, and it's also, I remember like when I first moved there, how I could feel how different LA was from everywhere else, but then how quickly just as humans, we like adapt. So then everything does become like normal and then being out of it again now for a year, I'm like, oh Yeah. <laughs> LA is wild. Like, I mean, I love it. It wasn't for me. I didn't want to live there anymore. But like, I, I found I actually not day to day because my life has just changed a lot, but I do miss more things than I thought I would. Um, but also sometimes it's more of like reminiscing for like when we used to go into audition rooms and audition, like we don't really do that anymore. And like, just all of the things. So I remember I want to talk about magic and your trajectory and everything that you're doing. So can I just really quick before I forget this story? Cause you mentioned wildcard and yes. like so many, so much shameless promotion of the book is just weird, absurd stories that have happened to me over the past 20 years. And one I forgot, I'm so mad. I forgot to put in the book. It was when we were performing, it was like you, me, Brandon, and <laughs> I forget who else was there in like the back of some like, country club or something and like yes. they literally poured money on us do you remember <laughs> yes yes it was you me brandon and greg it was yes. just it was just the four of us because i still have a picture it's one of my favorites and we greg and i were going to a cubs game after the event and so i had a cub shirt on and you and I are sitting on the lip of the stage and you had my sunglasses on and we're just like back to back holding up the dollar bills that they threw at us. Mm -hmm. It was, it's one of those funny defining moments of like, well, it can't, it's got to get better, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's only up from here. Well, okay. So as we pause on that, first of all, one would hope. And then <laughs> it also cracks me up now with like kind of being in a new pond all over again here in Atlanta and like trying to strategize and figure out like, what do I want to do? Where do I want to perform? Like, how do I want to do it this time around? And kind of like that reinvention of being a performer all over again and like doing it at 37. So that's why this was just so special to like reconnect with you where it's like, oh yeah, this is the thing I've been doing for so long. And like, I used to just do it because I loved it. And yeah, like you hope the gigs got better. Or you hope this or you hope that, but like you just did it because you love it. And then once like the gigs do get better and you get better as a performer and all those things. And now in many ways, I feel like I'm starting again, but starting with like all of these years of experience. Um, and so that's just interesting because we, my husband and I are opening up a, like a physical brick and mortar production studio Oh, cool! Uh, here in, L in Atlanta. And uh, we're going to do a bunch of shows out of it. So anyway, some of the places that we've been looking at, and he's like, I don't know how we'd convert this space. I was like, listen, I've done comedy in a lot of places. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, okay. So you wrote this amazing book all about, so tell us more about it. And I, I didn't even realize until um, I was looking at it recently that, yeah, it's all these short stories of your experiences now, are they specifically to being on the road or tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah. It's like everything from cruise ships to like the first time I was on stage at elementary school. It's all like really short bite-sized things. A, because I'm lazy and I hit 20,000 words and I'm like, 
I'm done. I can't, I can't <laughs> work on this for two years. I can't keep going. Um, and also like, that's like the best compliment I keep getting is like, people are like, Oh, it's a really quick, fun read. You know, it only takes like an hour or two to get through it. Um, and as I say on, uh, in my show, if you don't like to read, I'll read it to you on audible. Uh, nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just a bunch of funny short stories. It was, you know, I do a lot of cruise ships and you have a lot of downtime on cruise ships and you're just like, I need to be writing. And mm. I've got, my wife is a fantastic writer and I've had friends that have encouraged me and, you know, like you, you're, you're, you're just figuring it out. That's the kind of the one thing you realize once you hit your thirties, like, Oh, everybody's just figuring it out. And then, you know, I took a, a couple of master classes on writing and then, you know, you, you, you went to high school, you did the AP English and things like that. So you're like, I have a eh, some foundation of, I know basic grammar. <laughs> but now it's like, it's so stupid easy to write because of Grammarly and having, yeah. you know, an editor or something that will help go, oh, change this or do this. And it's, um, but yeah, it's a fun, it's a bunch of funny short stories called Magically Introverted. Um, okay, that's my pitch. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch this forever. We're never going to stop. Okay. So then we're going to come back to the book, but I want to go. So I actually, I think I saw Kristen, your wife more in LA than I saw you through sketch comedy and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Uh, I coached her team for a s- small amount of time when they were like in between coaches. And um, so I've seen like her growth and development as a performer as well. And so when you and I were doing um, comedy and stuff together. It was all improv. Cause one of the most core memories for me when we were doing wild card was there was one show that we did in the back of like a brewery in, uh, on division street. And you just played all of the inanimate objects. Oh, that was a fun show. That was, that, that partially came from me always feeling inadequate as an improviser and just being surrounded by you, Greg, Joey, all these uh, people. Like, I thought you guys were always fantastic. And I'm just like, I'm not going to talk this whole show. And I think it was one of our best shows. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember it being one of those where I was like, um, not in a self masturbatory way, but like, a wow, I'm actually like really good at this. Like, I think the excitement of being like, there's something I'm actually, um, adept at doing. Cause sometimes I think in our early twenties, it's like, well, I know I want to do these things or this or that, but like the world just feels so overwhelming. And I remember doing that with wildcard and also just how special it is to create with other people. Um, like I found myself like actually really missing improv, not enough to like be on a regular improv team, <laughs> but I know it, it, you do reach that level of like, once you hit 30, you're like, I can't. I yeah. Can't. I'm like, I want to sit on the couch. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got two kids. I can't be out doing like, you know, a midnight show. Um, I have done a few though here at dad's garage and it's pretty fun. But, uh, so that's when I remember like you were doing magic then cause you've done magic seemingly your whole life, right. To some degree. Yeah. I started as a, a young child and started doing it more in high school and then college was doing it, you know, like birthday parties and stuff to pay the bills. And then I just kind of kept doing it cause I just looked at, I'm such a weird financial person. Like I'm interested in personal finance and like, I just did the math of like, well, I can make this much money as a magician or I can make no money as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, I kind of always kept looking at it that way, but um, yeah, it was like those shows. I think what's funny about that show is it really informed my silent character kind of gave me the confidence. Cause then after that, I created just like a completely silent show and I did that for a while, but now it's a mix of both because I miss the improv element of being able to interact. The audience is now kind of my improv partner. So yeah. um, the problem with doing a silent show, which is great because you can get every beat so like precise and perfect, but then the show becomes identical every single time. Mm. And um, I just got for the millionth. There's a story in the book about auditioning for Blue Man and failing. And I literally two weeks ago, I I got a, out of nowhere, it fell on my lap. I did a, a last minute uh, audition for them and I got a call back and it was funny. It was like, it was like, cool, great. Yeah. Okay. This is the thing I wanted to do 15 years ago. Awesome. And then you get the call back and you're like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and I ended up not, you know, going to, to train or anything like that, but it was, a, it was a weird relief because it's funny. The things that are you're interested in your twenties that you think you're going to define you. And then you keep going. You're like, I didn't, I need to do that at all. I can, I can be myself. I can, I can be more confident in myself. You know, you know, it's just, uh, I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) I do. That warms my heart so much because I feel, um, 
I think it makes me feel less alone to be perfectly honest because like my dreams have shifted and what I want to do. And there's still sometimes or like, sometimes I'll do what I do or even like record this podcast sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really doing it. Like, this is what I want to be doing. And then there's other times where I will see examples of things that I used to really want to do. And I'm like, maybe I've just kid myself. Like maybe that was the thing that I really wanted to do. Um, but I think that's so cool. Yeah. Where it just proved you were like, well, I already did a silent show and I've now moved on from that. Cause mm-hmm. that was, so I came to see your show. You were doing Hollywood fringe fest and you did your silent show. And I remember afterward you either, and correct me how the story really went, but either your grandfather was still living or he had just passed and you gave this beautiful speech. I don't know if you remember this. It was very significant to me about how, uh, important he was and kind of helping to define your journey of being on stage and incorporating magic and kind of getting to this place as a performer that you, where you were at the time. Does any of that ring a bell? Yeah. I mean, there's an element of that in the show now where I do this big prediction routine inspired by my grandpa, Tom, who passed away like the night, the day after my parents' wedding. And I never got to meet him, but, um, so it's just I do a bit now where I'm just like trying to I, it's I, I have a memorized a deck of cards with all different names on them. And I try to figure out the, the name of the card they chose the whole show. And at the very end, there's a kicker and it's you find it. So it's like connecting with memory and how, you know, I feel like we don't remember anything anymore. And but if you if you don't forget people, they're never really gone. And, you know, mm. that type of emotional connection. So I've been trying to add more and more things like that into the show because the rest is so absurd and silly and weird but i'm I'm trying to like lately i've been working with a, a writing partner and um just trying to find those like in between moments in the show it's like okay i know this works i know this works but it's like okay this part's not working and then trying to almost cr- treat it like a, a scrubs episode or something where yeah. so you can be really silly and weird but at the end you get hit with something emotional and not like in a overly presentive way or an overly hey look at me you know look at my life kind of way but just uh hopefully more of a universal way that people can connect to so that's been kind of fun to to play with lately and just to not be afraid to to get a little bit more emotional in the show because i think you know i had a friend say to me actually i think maybe it was like no it wasn't a friend it was mike birbiglia who's uh comedian i love and he's like don't be afraid to use more more heart you know you can always Mm -hmm. add more heart into the show and i think that's that's true so i think maybe what you're talking about is probably the beginnings of that and when i kind of started finding those those little nuggets (laughs) well i love that so much because i mean i always go back and forth right because i feel like my work has shifted a lot in that way of like uh, especially like my standup where I think for a long time I didn't, when I started to make this shift as an actor or like as a, an artist and a performer and I'm like, well, it's not comedy then if you're not just going for the joke. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, actually Mike Birbiglia is one of my favorites who I feel like does that very well, which I'm like, if you still look at laughs per minute, he's still getting a lot of laughs but he's also allowing himself to be as smart as he is on stage. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like sometimes, like, I feel like when I was in this place of just wanting to go for the joke, cause I wanted you to know how funny I am, but it was like, well, I only want you to see me as funny because then you won't see other things about Rachel. Sure. Like I actually had to be vulnerable to be like, Oh, there's a lot more here. I've just created an identity around being funny because yeah. if you would, if you would laugh, then you wouldn't see my pain. You wouldn't see, you know, I, I could also in a way keep lying to myself. And I mean, yes, the buy-in, if you call something a comedy show, you need to be able to deliver and make people laugh, right? There is this unspoken agreement that we've made with the audience. But I, I love what you're sharing so much because I do think allowing all parts of ourselves as people to present themselves in a way that's smart it's that, you know, uh, playing at the highest of your intelligence. And that's what mm-hmm. I love about Mike's stuff so much where it's like, yeah, he's incredibly funny. He probably could have made this whole thing punch, 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 punch. But he does that really well of like inserting those moments where he's kind of setting up the tent, but you don't see it yet, which is exactly what you're saying of like, yeah. oh, what are these moments that I'm just offering it to you? 
as I always say, like if you're going to give medicine to a dog, you're not like, here's your medicine. They're never going to take it. Right. You got to wrap it in cheese or you got to, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't want them to know right away. They're like, Oh, I feel better. It's like, yeah, you did. Cause I wrapped it in cheese. <laughs> you know, like it's the same thing. I think sometimes for our audience, because yeah, nobody wants to feel like they're being, um, not even spoken down to, but it's like, this is what I'm presenting you, you know, like, are you actually a good human? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like that in, in magic too. If you, it's weird. Like I'm even hesitant to say it's comedy magic. Cause it is the show I think is more funny than it's, it's like a 50, 50 balance now, but it's also tricky too, where if you tell the audience like something to expect, they're going to come in with that expectation. Then you got to live up to it. Like, it's i tried so i i I do a bunch of cruise ships and i tried uh i created this like new just quick 45 second teaser video right of just like certain things i've done and like this is nick paul he's done this and that and i think i did it for three shows and the audience was so much harder to get on on my side Mm. and i think that works for some performers so like hey look how great i am but i immediately went back to my self-deprecating intro which the, the final line is he recently won the award for greatest magician in his family. And it's like, it kind of like lets the audience, Oh, okay. This guy is self-aware because that fits my persona, right? You kind of have to fit what, uh, what works for you. But yeah, it was so noticeably difficult to do those shows because the audience had this like expectation of, Oh, this guy has been on television. He must be fantastic. And like the second you're not, you know, hitting that you could feel the, the energy in the room go down. But, um, I forget why I brought that up. <laughs> I lost no, it's just, no, no, no. It's just about expectations and like what we, the, the unspoken expectations that we set up with an audience. Um, um, can I, there is a, a story in the book about, and I'm not bringing these up to promote my book. I'm bringing it up because you're one of the few people I think that can experience this. I talk about being a silver living statue person for four years at a Detroit casino. And that's yeah. how I paid off my student loans. That's one of the stories. And one of I think I distinctly remember it was like fall 2011. I'm standing on a box in silver makeup and I look over and like SNL is going on. Right. And that was the season 80 got it. And Cecily got it. Yeah. I just remember sitting there going, what the hell am I doing? You know? And like, I feel like Uh, you're one of the few people that might be able to relate to that because I think we have a bunch of second city friends too, that have gone through that journey of seeing people really explode and we all started together and i'm not saying they don't deserve it they're all fantastic sure i remember the first time i saw 80 on tv or on stage with you guys doing a a show i was like oh this girl's gonna blow up but there is something that you have to get over as a artist or performer just to know it's like well that's their journey that's that's not my journey and that's okay yeah yeah well it's just it's funny that you say that about 80 because I would say there's only two people that I've ever performed with. And, you know, yeah, you and I have had the luxury of performing with some of the funniest, most talented people in the world. And I remember auditioning for Drop in Science with 80. And I still remember the scene that we did and we were chimney sweeps. And <laughs> because, you know, she's just like, what, like five foot nothing. And she's just like, hello. And I was like, oh, this, I was like, let's ride, you know, where yeah. I love doing characters. And I remember... I remember it so distinctly being like that person will be famous. And the only other person I've ever felt that about was John Reynolds. Did you ever mm. perform? Remember John? Yeah, I met yeah. him after I left Chicago. I think we all, did, we, I came back and I did a wild card show with you. Okay. And yeah. I just, I don't know if I was in a scene with him, but it's one of those things like, like him. And I had just last year, I did a brief, real brief, tiny thing on, I think you should leave. They needed Tim lookalikes and I was on it and Tim was oh, nice. directing the scene and I must have looked so unprofessional because Tim would like go through and like a bit similar to John. He's like so committed, so funny. And I'm just like <laughs> watching this as if I'm on my couch watching it on TV, just laughing my ass off. And I'm like, oh, I got I got to be in this scene. Yeah, it's like yeah. crap. Yeah, um, it's like, yeah, oh, he was I when he blew up, I was really happy for John, too, because or just not even I don't think he's a household name, but he's somebody that is consistently working, you know, but oh, yeah. because he's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and it's interesting when you talk about, um, what is other people's journeys. And I look back where I'm like, I was always doing the work, but I still had no idea 
I think what my point of view was, which I'm like, oh, no wonder I didn't get more scenes in shows at Second City. Like I was probably just writing being like, I don't know. I know this is funny. Yeah. And but I didn't I didn't have a point of view because that was, you know, from like people pleasing and codependency and, you know, how many more things can she list? Um, But it's (laughs) it's true where like I was just like, oh, I was still in this place of like, I want you to like me versus I feel like a lot of people who found their definition as a performer, whether that was success or otherwise commercial success very quickly, I think had very, very clear points of view because. I mean, they're absolutely hilarious, but I can also think of a handful of other people I know who are still working and consistently working, but have not um, found that sort of success as, you know, commercial success, as I always like to say, because I'm like, if you can make a living doing this at all, success, you know, huge, yeah, I mean, huge I was, success. I was on a ship last week and I was mad because they, they, they didn't put me in the big fancy theater. They put me in the cabaret space, you know, smaller audiences and it's harder mm-hmm. and, but it's like. I just have to take a step back. It's like, you're getting paid to do magic tricks in Spain. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also, yeah. Like you wrote a book, like you got to write, like you wrote a book of all of your experiences around doing the thing that you love to do. And like that alone, I mean, it's also, I, I, I think sometimes we put a lot of focus on, and we as a universal, not meaning that you have to have the same opinion as me, but I think often we put a lot of emphasis on the people who have done the things that we haven't done yet or that we feel like we didn't get to do versus I have to remember all the people I also did a lot of things with that don't do anything anymore. Yeah. That's most of and, my Facebook feed now. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and no, no judgments towards that. I, 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 in some ways I respect that. I was like, Oh, you got out. <laughs> oh my. Well, and that's a whole other conversation, right? Where I'm yeah. like, Oh God bless you. I mean, even I would say the effort that it took to trust that moving to Atlanta was the right thing, not only like for my mental health, for my family, et cetera, but really for my career of like, I'm like, I don't know exactly what it is that I'm going to do next, but I know that it's big. And I know I have to give myself the space to be able to like really transform into whatever that thing is. And it's not, I'm not going to have that space to do it in Los Angeles and just having yeah. the, um, I mean, frankly, like the courage to be like, Oh, I hope this pans out, you know? Um, um, I mean, and we kind of did something similar. I mean, I, we were talking about LA. I forgot to mention, we moved up about 30 minutes North to the suburbs and it's weird. It's, it's now it's like living off campus and it's actually, yep. it's more of a drive. You're always driving 30 minutes into the city, but now it's like, I kind of look forward to like, Oh, go, I get to leave LA for a couple of days and I'll come back. And it, it's very similar probably to what you did as well. And I, um, yeah, I was, it's weird. Cause we were in Burbank and like it really messes with you every day taking a walk with the dog, seeing the uh, the Warner Brothers lot, you know, yep. water tower. You're like, oh, well, I'm not doing that. So clearly I'm a failure. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not working there. So it's, it's, well, it's strange. It's really strange. But I also think there's something there's also something interesting to where like a lot of folks that I that we know that are working in uh, Holly, like traditional Hollywood right now. It's like also a lot of people aren't working. Everybody's on strike, you know, where it's it's this interesting thing. And especially um, like I said, my husband, and I have a production company. So really seeing the way that what kind of things are being bought, where is like money really going? Like so many more people are just putting their specials out on YouTube because they can monetize it and make more money than it used to be like, oh, I have a Netflix special. It's like, yeah, but Mm -hmm. if Netflix isn't going to pay you as much as you could actually make on YouTube, like to your point where it's like, I'm more interested in personal finance and personal well-being. Like if I'm going to cultivate an audience that's true to Nick Paul, they're going to come and be my audience no matter where I am, right? Mm -hmm. And having that creative um, control too, and yes. not having somebody own the product, you know, that the more that happens, the you the more you realize it's like, oh, and you see people get screwed over. Like, I mean, going back to like Tim and um, Sam Richardson, like they had that, that great show Detroiters, such yep. a great comedy, so funny. And Comedy Central buried it. And it's just yep. like, oh yeah, that can happen. Even if you have a fantastic show, like when someone else owns your your thing. So there's, there's pros and cons to it. You get more eyeballs on it, but at the same time they could, you know, destroy it if they want to. Yep. Did you know them from Detroit or did you meet them later? I had a, I don't know either at all. I I met Sam briefly at the castle and had maybe the most awkward interaction with a celebrity. (laughs) 
like when you work the magic castle, you see celebrities all the time. And there's a few I've gotten to know. And I, I would call I'm friendly with, and you're just right. like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Cool. 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 You just, you keep it cool. But like when I saw him down there, I just had total, you know, fanboy freak out. I was like you, that, that showed that was a good show. Right. That was really, Hey, I'm going to work in the castle next week. If you want to come see the show, <laughs> just this really awkward moment. And they, like, they were really uh... sweet about, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Maybe we'll come. And it was like him and Michael Bryan. And then Michael Bryan was mad that I thought he was Tim. I was like, no, no, I know who you are. I know who you are. I used to see you at Second City. I used to watch you a lot in the back of the room. <laughs> yeah. So and that's always weird, right? When you're like, no, 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 I've been like watching you for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's totally cool. Well, and that's what was always interesting about um, doing stand-up in LA because you would actually have like legitimate famous people that would drop in on your show. You know, like you'd be producing a show or I was like, you know, producing a show in uh, the smaller room at the Improv. And then they always like, you know, you always know somebody will drop in, but you're like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know? And then they're like, hey, uh, Bill's here. And I'm like, and they're like, uh, Bill Burr's going to do 15 minutes before you start. I'm like, ah, yeah, 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 cool. He's only like one of my favorite standups. Like, so that's always just interesting. Yeah. Of like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, oh yeah. Hey, how are you? It's weird at Comedy Magic Club, too, because it's, most magicians aren't allowed in legit comedy clubs, but Comedy Magic Club was formed in the seventies down to Hermosa beach. And the owner is just a fan of variety. So they always have a variety act. So I, I do it a bunch um, when I'm in town and yeah, I've like Arsenio halls open for me, <laughs> Paul riser, like all these like name drop, name drop, name drop. And yeah. it's weird because like you can share those Facebook photos. You're like, Hey, look at this. But at the same time, it was like, I don't, I'm never going to probably never going to see them again, <laughs> and, but they were yeah. nice and cordial and cool. You did that thing. So yep. you have to, you have to just look, there's a balance to it all. Well, that was always interesting too. of, uh, the short amount of TV and movie stuff that I did when I was in LA and yeah, or if you would be on set with like a legitimate famous person and you're like, but I'm also here to work too, you know, like we're just at work. Like yeah. having, having that reframe was always interesting. Um, Okay, so I saw you doing magic then. And then when did you cuz do you you get like passed, quote unquote, at the Magic Castle or what is that process like? And for people who might yeah. not be familiar with what the Magic Castle is, can you tell us what it is? Uh yeah, it's a private club that's been around since the six, 60s. Actually the 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 last founder of it just passed away a couple of days ago. He's like 92, oh, wow. 93, I think he made it too. He's a sweet guy. Um but yeah, it's been around since the 60s, private club. Now it's a little bit more commercial, but you need to know a magician to get in. Dinner, it's like seven showrooms. Um, uh, yeah, I, I tried to, before I moved to LA, I was like trying to work there for like five years, just constantly bugging the booking director. And then when we moved to LA, like a month in, I just said, I'm gonna just going to go hang out. And a friend of mine got me in. And the second I walked up, the booking director walked out the front door and I go, Hey, I'm Nick. I've been emailing you. He's like, Hey, yeah. All right. Let's go grab a drink. And you know, a month later I was booked. It just took that face to face contact. Huh. But the funny part, I was booked to work there before I became a member. I hit before my audition, I did the audition and then got passed, but I was already booked. It was like one of those weird yeah. timing things. Um, so it was very awkward in the audition process. Like somebody, the guy who was running it goes, yeah, and I see one of you is already on the schedule. All right. <laughs> I wonder who that is. All right, this is this is weird. I haven't done it yet, so I don't know if I'm uh, going to be good. But um, yeah, it's we Chris and I just did it a couple weeks ago with a friend of ours in the, the theater. It's one of those cool places where it's like, you know, I don't do it as much now because it's it's a lot of shows in a week, and yeah. you know, it pays fine, but you know, you make it the same on a cruise ship in a week doing a couple shows versus, you know, doing like 25 shows, but it's one of those street cred type things where, you know, I try to do it every couple of months just cause it's a cool, it's, it's neat that they, they allow you to be a part of it. And I think it's a good, most people working there are doing good work. You know, magic yeah. is this weird thing where I'm really going through like this kind of crisis with it. I'm just noticing how much magic is just karaoke. And how many magicians are just cover bands doing the same material as everybody else? Because you can buy a routine and do it verbatim and nobody cares. It's this mm. weird because like not enough people see magicians in the same way they see musicians or comedians. So you can get away with buying a routine verbatim 
and I do a lot of routines in my show are like old pieces of magic or things that you can buy, but I've tried so hard to make a conscious effort to make it original, you know, like going back to your perspective of like trying to, what's my point of view with this or how, how yeah. do I make it different? Um, or how do I just build a trick from the ground up? You know, which I, I've been trying to do more and more lately. Um, it's hard because Teller has a quote was like, you know, being a magician is difficult. It's like being a musician, but uh, once you write the song, you also have to build the instrument to, mm. to play the song. So that's kind of what a lot of it becomes. Um, but anyway, you asked me about the magic castle and I'm just, I'm rambling. I'm no, 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 no. I love it. I could listen to it all day long. I find it so fascinating. And I, yeah, I, you know, there is really cool moments though, too, about seeing friends, um, succeed and follow their dreams at different levels. Like, um, one of the first times, uh, Chris, Chris Red was back from, I must've been SNL was on break or something, but anyway, he did a show, uh, with like Dana Carvey at, uh, I don't know, the improv or laugh factory or something. And like getting to like go and support him and like hang out afterwards. And I'm like, dude, this is like incredible. And the same thing I felt when I got to see you at the magic castle. And I was like, this is the match. Like, this is the magic castle. Like you made it, <laughs> you made it like for, for all intents and purposes. And I think there's always, right. I think in some ways it's good as performers and artists where we're like, there's always the next thing. We're always challenging ourselves. We always, but I'm also a big proponent of like, but look at everything you've done. Like not saying that you're not doing that, but I think that's such an important thing to remember because if we're always looking for somebody who's done a thing that we haven't done yet, you're going to find them. And, yeah, I, and I think you that's know, the danger of social media too, even like I literally was sitting on a bel my balcony in a nice, <laughs> uh cruise ship room scrolling through instagram be like how'd they get that and i'm just like right you're, shut up once again just shut up you're fine yep. it's but it's just in in this field it's the reason you and i and people like us are at our levels is because you're never satisfied you know you're, you're trying to get to the next thing so it, it's a balance of being grateful oh cool i did this i, I achieved this goal now what because you know it's i when a guy i worked with he had this he'd always say this to me he's like when you're green you grow when you're ripe you rot and it's like it's hard not to mm. keep that in the back of your mind because you want to be grateful and you want to be present and live in the moment which is something i've been doing a lot of work on lately yeah. trying to it's so difficult for me just to sit still um <laughs> and i think that's why i travel a lot that's why I've grown to really love flying because it forces me to do nothing. It's like mm. it's the only time where I can really consciously, I'll, maybe I'll have my laptop up or do some work, but it's like, no, you have to sit here for seven hours because yep. that's what, that's what you got to do. But when you're at home, you're like, Oh, I got to do this. I got to take out the trash. I got to work on this. And it's hard to just kind of be present in those moments. So I was listening to a few of your earlier uh, other podcasts and I think you were talking about that too. And it's, it's, it's helpful to keep that stuff in mind because it's it's very easy to forget those things. Yeah, and we just constant. I mean, I think we're all guilty of it, um, or almost like feel enslaved to it some ways, like to our brain and wanting to like create. But I think it's a certain type of sickness that us as per performers and creators have. And like, I mean, one of the biggest things for me has been where I'm like so much of everything I'm doing with this podcast, everything else is in service of like my big, big goal right now is like, I just want to get back to touring. I want to have an audience that I've built myself that are coming to see me. And you know, where it's like, I don't have these, I mean, I have some decent credits, but like, I don't have any major, major credits, right. Where they're like, Oh yeah, sure. We'll give you a weekend, you know, headlining. It's such and such. So I was like, great. Then I'll build my own audience. And like, wanting to be able to tour again. I mean, it's like so much of why thinking back to those wild card shows and why it brings me so much joy is it's like, it was just the joy of being on stage and the joy of like, you know, interacting and having that, like you were talking about transitioning from a silent show and being like, but then it's just a silent show and being able to really use your audience and have that back and forth. And I'm like, so much of the shift in my own voice has been, I want to be able to utilize my own gifts that make me happy, like making people laugh and being on stage and having fun. But then I also want to be able to help people with it too. 
Yeah. And so it's like really wanting to, to get back out there. So I, I just really identify with that. We're getting ready to go on vacation. Um, and we're going up to my mom's lake house and I was trying to debate. I'm like, am I going to work? Cause it's like, Oh, well I could do this and make clips and then da da da. I'm like, but do you really need to mm-hmm. Do you think that like, do you really believe that your success, your ultimate success will happen or not happen because you work while you're on vacation? Yeah. You know, it's hard. Yeah. Because like, that's how we kind of function. It's like, well, I did this. So it's, I gotta, I gotta work today. Cause I gotta, gotta get to the next level. But it's, um, yeah, for, I mean, for us, we don't really get, you know, we do cruise ships, but, and like, those are our vacations, but it's like, we're yep. still working. So it's like, you know, we're kind of now trying to plan a trip to like go to Japan or something, you know, we've been talking about it forever, but it's, it's really hard for me. A, because it's expensive, but B, it's, it's hard to just say, oh, I'm going to take two weeks off. <laughs> yep. And just because you you know how this business is, last minute stuff. Sure. Every time Kristen travels with me, she books a VO gig. Like, of course. You can be here for three months, not leave the house. But the second we leave, VO gig books. It's just, oh, it's, yeah. the universe is, is a cruel mistress sometimes. But. Yeah. It's so much so that like that's the only one I've never been able to figure out because even I have a theatrical agent here and because of the strikes and everything. And uh, so they're doing like a pizza party hangout because they're like, well, we're all not like, you know, waiting around for that next big thing. We've got a little bit of time to catch up. You know, we're going to have all the talent over to the office and kind of meet and greet and say hi. And uh, which will be fun because I kind of got grandfathered into this uh, agent with moving here, which was wonderful, but I'm like, I've never met these people in real life. You know, they were just kind of like, looked at my resume, looked at a reel and they're like, great. You're, you know, you're one of us now. Um, but what made me think of that? Oh, cause she had emailed out. She's like, now is a good time to take that trip. If you've been waiting to take a trip or something, she's like, right yeah. now is like the perfect time to do it. Um, but yeah. And, and I think, I also, I think a lot of it is just having the consciousness around it. I think when we're conscious of, you know, we haven't taken a vacation and here's why we haven't taken a vacation or, you know, we're living in fear a little bit around this one area of like, oh, if I, if I work less that I'm going to fall behind or like, I think just being conscious of it is enough where I was like, if I work a little bit on vacation because I want my dreams to come true and I know that they're available to me, I just have to work for them and like, that's the conscious choice, then it's like, okay. But if I'm going to my computer because I'm scared, like, oh, if I don't put out more clips or I don't do this thing, then blank will happen, meaning something bad. It's like, well, that's not the energy that I want to, A, put out there, or B, participate in to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is, it, it really, in, in, like anything, you're just kind of finding that balance. And, you know, for me, it's like, What's my anxiety at today? What's my depression at today? How, what do I feel like battling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sometimes you're like, I can conquer the world. And then there's other days you're like, I want to quit everything. And what's the point of any of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, wanna, mm-hmm. I hate it all. But sometimes but, that like, none of this really matters. Like we're on a rock in the middle of like <laughs> galaxy upon galaxy. And none of this really matters is actually like really calms my anxiety sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like where it's just like, uh, oh yeah. Like the things that I think are so vital today and have to be done. And you know, where it's like, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So I have like two more questions. One, which is I'm interested about your relationship to risk. If you've ever thought about having that, because you strike me as very like, um, predictable in a lot of ways, like not in a bad way, but meaning it's like, you know who you are. This is what you do. Like it makes sense to me that you're interested in finance, like, you know, slow and steady. We know what we're doing, but the idea doing comedy at all or any performance already makes us risk takers. Like to be like, well, we're going to try this thing. But especially with magic of all things of, and obviously I know that like you're very well rehearsed and all these things and you, you know, all of the tricks of a performer, if something doesn't start to go right, how you, all those things. But do you ever think about it in that way? Like, do you feel like magic or that element of performance provides something for you that feels safe to keep other things in your personal life safe? Does that make sense? Yeah. um, Yeah. I was thinking about this recently. It's funny how I was talking about this with a friend. It's weird doing this you realize that like I'll 
because Kristen helps me from time to time, especially when we're traveling and I'll, I'll just say, I'll go do this or that, or, or tear that down or fix this problem. And I realize like, she'll, she'll get confused by it or not know what I mean. And I realize it's because it's not anything she's doing. It's because I've been doing this for 20 years and I've had to learn how to be kind of self-sufficient and, and be a problem solver and just, it's just the thing, the weird things that come with being a magician. It's just like, okay, I, I mean, I run all my, sh my tech in my show with, with a remote and I have to program all that. So I got to set all that up before the show on top of setting up the tricks. And so it's like, I forget that those things are just normal. So those mm -hmm. little weird problem solving skills that I've acquired over 20 years, um, is something I've, I've recently not been taking for granted. It's just like, Oh, it's almost like being on a, like a little mini film set. You know how yep. when you're on a set and you're just like, how the hell is this going to get done? Then all of a sudden action, everything comes together and then, all right, back to break. And you're just like, it always fascinates me how all of a sudden everybody's in the right spot, cameras, lights, crew, and then, okay, going on to the next thing. I was like, how did that happen? Like, those are like real magic tricks to me. So it's, it's really just, mm. uh, yeah. Giving yourself, I think a little bit of a pass sometimes and, knowing what your skills are you know it's like okay i have these things i need to work on but i'm really good at this so that's good so just kind of keeping those things in the back of your mind for when you're getting frustrated or when you feel like all is lost i guess i don't know if that makes any sense no it does and that's interesting because i always feel that way i was making a list the other day of like i am like an i am list i am this i am that and I was like, oh, I am a director and I am a producer and I am a writer and I am a light person. And I am like, you know, I think sometimes when people are like, God, oh, you and your husband work all the time. I'm like, because we have a full production company that's run by two people. And now we have a third, our, my producer who's sitting on the, um, the conversation with us right now. And I'm like, that's it. So it's like everything that gets made gets done, gets, you know, you, you do, you learn how to be. It always reminds me of um, uh, Bert from uh mary poppins when he's the one man band and like going mm -hmm. through the park and i'm like yeah that's how i feel all the time yeah. um but i also think that's so great because you know we talk about going to bigger and bigger dreams or knowing what we want like that um ability to be your own swiss army knife i think is so vital because it also keeps you out of things that may seemingly be shiny but mm -hmm. you're like oh no they don't have it together. They don't know what they're doing because you know all these other elements that do have to come together in order for the magic to happen. Yeah, it's weird. My my bullshit meter is, I think, higher than other people. I have, I, I have a really tough time. If I get just the sense that you're BSing me, mm. I, I have a tough time trusting you. And that can be in tech or that can be on set somewhere. That can just be in real life. I think that's one of the weird, strange skills you get as a magician is like, you know how to lie to people, <laughs> mm. but you're, it's never done maliciously. It's like you're holding onto the three of clubs, right? Even though mm. I've already swapped the three of clubs and it's in my pocket, but right. like the, the, the little white lies that are giving you a little get a glimmer of, of, of magic and, and wonder, you know, to kind of break through and the chaos of life just to give you a little bit of uh, excitement, I guess. But uh, at the same time, it's like you kind of you can see how people can manipulate other people. And um, mm. a buddy of mine's writing a book on all of that right now. And it's 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 just we talk about it all the time. It's fascinating. And um, so it's it's weird. Yeah, it's like you have like you said, I'm a producer. I'm a writer. It's like it's it's important to make those lists to to remind yourself of like, OK, these are the skills I have. These are the things I know, because it's very easy to forget uh, what you're good at and very easy to get. Um, bogged down and you know depressed about well this isn't going my way this isn't working and um, yeah. I'm working with a buddy of mine we're trying to you might know him Ryan Zimmerman out of Chicago um, I feel like I know that name uh, he was partners with Joey for a long time and now they're okay um, yeah no wait Ryan Peterson yeah well his is yes because his his, wife his wife's last name. yeah is Sarah Zimmerman Okay, that's why I, I've been calling him Ryan. I've known him forever. <laughs> oh man, can we cut this? Can we get, yeah. can we get rid of this? He's not gonna <laughs> listen to this, right? I'll make sure he doesn't. Wait, first of all, that's wild because uh, Ryan has been popping up in my thoughts often because he mm. was actually a pretty good uh, part of my life when I first moved to LA and Joey and I were dating, and I was with Ryan all the time. I owe so much of my own. Um, 
I think bravery within like sketch and being like, okay, I can do these things to Ryan because mm. he was putting me up in his sketch shows long before. Like, I was like, I don't know. I'm still doing improv. I don't know if I can do sketch. And he's like, you're hilarious. Trust me. You can do it. That's so funny. Well, it's do you funny. Guys have- he's, he's doing that for me too, because he read the book. He's like, I think this is a TV show. And okay. So we're trying to flesh it out into what the pilot is. So any, I, the only reason I bring that up is because it's just, doubt and worry and trying to remember what your skills are it's like oh yeah i can do that it's, it seems like a daunting task but i think we can pull that off but okay hit. I, sorry i just have this is like so cosmic and like of course this is happening right now that's so wild my whole body has goosebumps because as you were telling me i was like i think i was gonna be like i don't know if you've ever thought about writing a pilot but i was like to me the idea of this kind of uh like you know, depressed magician. Like we have to, cause you could use the book, I think is uh, now I'm just like pitching you my idea, but like <laughs> using, using the book uh, as reference, but also it's like, what, what is it like to have this guy who I love the thing that you said that I was the most attracted to is like, what is it like to lie to people daily, but you're doing it in order to create wonderment for them. Like that, that dichotomy to me is like, Ooh, I was like, that's yeah. super fascinating. And like just having this guy who's kind of like, you know, you could have attributes of being, uh, you know, based off of like your own personality, but it's like, what is this kind of like guy who's really wanting to present something like pure and wonderful to the world, but somebody who's also like struggling and, and depressed and kind of going through something. And like that dichotomy of that we feel sometimes like when we're depressed or having a shitty day or grieving and it's like, great, now I have to go on stage. And, you know, I remember many, many moons ago when I had just gotten hired to second city and a friend of mine, I had passed away in a very tragic accident in Chicago and I had to go and perform that night. And I was mm. like, I, I uh, like what? Um, and so just those moments that we have in life where it's like our, you know, the sad clown, like our job is to show up and, and create wonderment for other people, sometimes at the sacrifice of ourself. Anyway, yeah, that's so fascinating. Yeah, crazy. He's a, he's a, he's a good man, but um, yeah, it's, it's important to have people that, you know, just encourage you. And I think you and I have been lucky in that sense of, it's really not about talent. It's about having people see things in you that, that you, you don't really see yourself or maybe you see, but you don't believe in. And I've, I've been fortunate. I try even on rough days. I've been, I try to remember that it was like, I've had, whether it's like my parents or mentors in magic or entertainment or guys like Ryan or, you know, great writers that can see something in you and be like, no, you can do this because I don't, I think it, it's really, I, I see a lot of friends of mine from back home that have, once again, not judging this, but haven't really done anything. And it's, I think it really just comes down to no one held their hand and said, no, you can do this. Like I've had a lot of people that have held my hand and showed me the, what door to open, you know? And it's, um, I, I certainly don't take that for granted. I think you have to, if you're struggling, you know, try to find the people that, you know, it's, it's, I was going through this, my brother was doing stand up in New York for a long time. I just kept over and over telling him like, you need to surround yourself with people that are better than you. Like Mm -hmm. you don't get better with people that are eh, or lower than you or like you got to, you know, that's what Seinfeld did on on Seinfeld. He hired all writers that or I'm sorry, all actors that were better actors than him. He he knew what he was doing so he could lift himself up. But, you know, on a very simpler level, you have to do that no matter what, whether it's entertainment or anything. But uh, that's something I've, I've really kind of grown to believe in. So guys like, you know, Ryan and whatnot, I, um, you know, I, I'm just, I, I try to be as grateful as I can for people like that. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that I'm really feeling right now is like, it's finally the time where I'm like, I'm down to fail. Like yeah. I, I, I was like, I, I am fully open and ready. And I'm like, let's do it because I'm like, I'm very proud of my career and I'm very proud of a lot of the things that I've created. But I'm like, I know for me, I feel like my best is yet to come. And I'm like, and the only way I'm really going to find my way there is by like, not by going in, you know, huh, I'm pitching this thing. I hope you like it being like, I'm pitching this thing. I really love it. Here's why I hope you like it. And being okay to be like, again, it's that rooted point of view. It's that, um, I think that like, you know, that resiliency or even, I think that's what's so great about your book, you know, of like all of these 
insane stories of things that have happened to you. And it's like to even be able to be the place in your career where it's like, I've weathered the storm enough that like now I got to like write a book, you know, that it's like filled of all of my stories. I just think is, is so exciting. And honestly, any way that I can help with, uh, your script, let me know. I would absolutely, I'm like, I was so, as you were sharing, I'm like, this is a TV show. And I'm like, I wonder if he writes or you're like, tell me about it. And um, so I love that you have. I'm going on a ship in a week by myself and I'm just going to sit down and just force myself to write. And it's funny how all those weird second city skills come in. Like I just kind of said, I started just flushing out what the pilot was. And I was like, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to start improvising scenes. And it was funny. Some stuff started coming out and it's not great. It's not, it has a long way to go certainly, but it's wild how if you just sit down and do the thing, it's, it happens. And that's, that's how the book came along is like, well, I just got to sit down and do it. And you know, whatever happens, happens. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's what I say all the time. I'm like, just do the thing. People come to me all the time and they're, you know, it's, Oh, well, I got to do this. I'm like, have you started? And they're like, well, no. Cause I'm like, just do it. You have to just do the thing and, and also trusting that like most of the time, like no one's paying attention. No, like, yeah, I you know, think, I think that's why I get frustrated with the magic phones because it's so easy to do the thing now, especially yeah. like for somebody like me who spent a lot of time in high school learning how to shoot videos and edit mm. videos. And now it's like, you don't, you can just do it. And that's a good and bad thing, you know, It's because yeah. like, now the market is same with comedians and even magic, too. It's like so oversaturated. Right. So it's like, how do you break through? But at the same time, you have no excuse to not, you know, write your own damn book. <laughs> it's like it's so easy to do things these days, but it does mean there's more people in the market. So it's 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 a double edged sword. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think I find I find solace in that because I feel like it used to be right. Even like what was that uh, when you're talking about uh, being the silver uh, statue? What year was that? Like 2012? Uh, I did that from I want to say 2010 to 20. 12 ish. So like it that. was around there. Cause I was touring. I remember cause I took Cecily's place on green coat when she went oh, to SNL. Okay. Yeah. So it, so it was around, it was around that time. And, um, but just meaning where it was like, that wasn't that long ago, but even the way that like we would kind of get plucked out of obscurity and it's like, great. Now you have a career like that almost doesn't even exist anymore because sure. now it is a creator's economy. And so in some ways it's frustrating for folks like you and I, where it's like, well, we've been doing this and ironing these skills for years. And now everybody, some idiot with an iPhone can be like, I'm this thing. And it's like, no, you're not. But I always say where it's like, I think cream rises to the top. And when we're consistent, we're putting out consistent stuff. I think people can tell the difference. And I think it is still like that. What is your point of view? And all that stuff that yeah, I mean, now you have the ability to make a book, you have the or write a book, you have the ability to, you know, like, do like I'll be able to like tour again in a year like a legitimate sold out tour like that wouldn't have been available to me a couple of years ago like you would have had to have been plucked out in some way so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the the other side of it um well plug your book for me beautifully one more time shameless plug I want everyone I'm so excited uh to get well that's where I was like I can't like get my copy and then ship it to you and be like can you sign it and then ship no, it no I'm gonna to send me. you I'll send you I just need send me your address I'll send you a, a signed copy um please I would love that it was um yeah it's always a pleasure to see I'm sad you're not in LA anymore that we don't get to run into each other but I'm also you know, I'm, I'm happy. It seems like you and your husband are really doing some great things. And, um, and I'm excited for, you know, what continues down there. Cause I definitely see you like, I think you're, you're, you're going to start being able to do these tours of, cause it seems like you already have this great fan base and that's what you need these days. You know, these, these people that really support you And I know I have like certain podcasts that I've listened to forever that was like, Oh, they're doing a show. Great. You know, just cause you feel like you have a connection with these people. So it's almost so much better than just having a, a, a one-off Netflix special that people see and forget about you. So I think you're, you're certainly doing the right thing. And it's, no I mean, thanks. you're already, you're already making stuff happen. Now it's just like, okay, what's, what's the next level, which is awesome. So. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's, um, I think it is that sense of longevity that I realized I was looking for. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to find it other places. And I think the scariest thing, like when you were talking about, I know I'm like, I'm going to wrap it up. Here we go. Um, 
I don't have but, a dentist until uh, for 30 minutes. <laughs> the, uh, uh, just quickly saying when you were talking about and then you got a callback for Blue Man, you're like, I don't really know if I want this anymore. And I think that's what was really scary for me where I was like just aimlessly auditioning for like co-star roles. I was like, I have to be completely open. My schedule has to be completely open to this thing. And I was like, this is not my number one thing. Yeah. I mean, still one of my biggest goals is like, I want to create television. I mean, I still want to do that. I'm still writing. I'm still pitching. Like that is a thing that I still, I know is in the future. I'm just not there yet. But it's like the, where I was like, the thing that I love more than anything is stage performance. I'm like, that's always been the thing that I love. And it's not as glamorous as like, oh, they won an Emmy for this thing. And I knew them. And now, oh my God, they won another Emmy. And I was like, but if I'm doing something because other people will think it's cool, first of all, that's not even to say that all those things would happen. Let me back up. But meaning like if I'm in pursuit of what everybody else is doing because we started together and I'm like, oh, that's the thing I think I'm supposed to do. I'm like, then I could even end up getting the thing. And then I sacrificed all these other things in my life in order to get the shiny thing and then be like, well, I don't even want this thing to begin with. So yeah. I just really appreciate you sharing that story because- it's just such a good reminder where, you know, this place that I'm in where I'm like, okay, dreams have slightly shifted, but it's still kind of all the same. It's still performing. It's still entertainment. It's still all those things, but kind of making your own way. And so I just want to honor that for you too, that I'm always just so impressed. And, you know, when we talk about being on our phones and being like, oh, that person got this thing or this person got that thing. Like you're one of those people where I'm like, Nick Paul's still doing it. I can still do it. You know, like that. It is, seriously though, in the, in the best way of like, you know, you've made all of these amazing opportunities for yourself and you get to work with your wife and you get to travel and you get, you know, it's like the doing it for the love of the game and also just being really good at it. I mean, that's the other thing where it's like, there are some people I see that are still doing certain things. I'm like, it might be time to throw it in, but mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah, I'm just always so impressed with your stamina and endurance and uh, the the lightness that you bring to your work, but also matching it with the intensity of P's and Q's, meaning like I control the show with this remote and I'm making sure like I think having both of those things is so valuable of not taking the art too seriously, but also taking it so seriously, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think that I really sometimes struggle with magic. Like I said, going back to the karaoke cover band thing, but the great thing about magic is it, it still like is a live medium, you know, even with other things, like you can watch comedy on TV, you can watch music, obviously not the same thing, but magic really still gets scrutinized. The second you, I worked on, Netflix show called Magic for Humans. My buddy Justin hosted. I worked just behind the scenes helping out with stuff. And it was funny just seeing all the comments of like, well, it's green screen. Oh, it's camera trick. And just like, it's like, well, all right, we worked really hard on that. But sure, whatever you want to believe. But that's the beauty of doing magic live. It's like, if, you know, I take a phone and I vanish it and it's gone, like you were right there. You didn't see me do anything. And that's what's so beautiful about it. And like so much of what I do is like the magic is kind of secondary. I'm like, I'm trying to really kind of going back to what we were talking about of just what's my point of view. What's my perspective. What's the story here. Okay. Also I'm going to make a phone vanish. Great. Like, so it's like, Oh yeah, he's a magician too. That's kind of what the goal going forward is. Yep. But at the same time, it, it's, it's nice to have these things similar to stand up or, you know, like how magic is, it just works best when you see it, when you see it live. So it's, um, those are the things that kind of, I think probably keep both of us going. It was like, yeah, okay. Being on stage is first and foremost, you know, the important thing, you know, the other stuff, it's great to have, you know, that secondary income. It's nice to get, I mean, I got like 80 bucks from Amazon this month from my book. I was like, oh, cool. I, that, money from something I did a while ago. Great. Yep. But, um, so it's nice to have those like other forms of income, but at the end of the day, the, you know, getting up on stage and feeling an audience's energy is like, there's nothing, nothing like it, you know? And I think that's what probably what we're addicted to. Oh, for sure. That's the thing I chase. That's why I, now I dictate taking on any new project or creating something where I'm like, if it's something that really takes time, you know, not like consulting on something, but if it's something I want to create, I'm like, is this in service of being able to get me to being on stage? 
because that's ultimately the big, big goal, you know, where I'm like, podcast is great. I get to share my point of view. I get to talk to amazing people, learn from other people, you know, and then uh, it's something that kind of lives forever, but also it's kind of building this audience and, you know, with the various other things that, uh, that I'm still doing as well. But it's like, yeah, it's all, there's nothing greater. I think then I was just making a video about that today where I was like, to me, like laughter is spiritual and not me. Or it's like, we don't have to overwork it, you know, but meaning where it's like eliciting a laugh is you going, I understand what you're saying. It, mm-hmm. It's an immediate buy-in of, Oh, I understand that thing. And I was like, and that doesn't, happen for us anymore in a way that's not like memes right like we're all like sending each other memes back and forth and and there's room for that but meaning like a well-crafted joke or someone sharing something i would say like the universal truths are hidden in the specificities of our lives and it's like being able to share that um in a way that elicits an emotional reaction and i just think it's so cool of magic being one of those ways to utilize it and i also think it's my last pitch to you to make this television show. And I feel like it's an amazing vehicle for you because there's nothing like that, that we're seeing right now within that world. There is a huge market and world for it. I think there's the ability to make it something that's like very funny, but also very dark. And I think that, you know, there's the, there kind of those two worlds of like, magic is an illusion and and the idea in a lot of ways of like, there's also a lot of things in life that are an illusion and like how I think you get to play with a lot of really cool stuff. So please I would be <laughs> so proud of you send me whatever it is you're working on. And I would love to be able to, to help you in any way, but this was has honestly has been such just a blessing and a pleasure to be able to talk to you. So thank you so much for like giving me your time. I know it's super valuable and it was so great to connect with you. And I, if I've not expressed it before, I'm always in your corner. So anyway, you know, if there's ever something you're like, Hey, can you shout this out? Or can you do this? Or, Hey, do you know this person? You know, anybody in Atlanta anyway, that I can be of service to the world knowing Nick Paul, please uh, (laughs) let me know. Or if you ever like, just want like, to do a show again where people throw money at us, you know? <laughs> I hope so. I hope once your fan base hears that, they're like, please book that show right now. And then you give everybody a dollar bill and they have to come up on stage behind us, not in front of us, behind us, above us and drop it on us. Because that that was the that was the icing on the cake. We weren't standing up. We were sitting down for the show that nobody showed up to. But the owner, I think, dropped, I don't know, it was like $21 bills or something on it. And I think there's photo proof of this, which is great. Yeah. And no one showed up. Oh, that's so, (laughs) that's just no one. You're right. No one was there. It was so painstaking. Uh, Nick Paul, tell us where we can find you, where we can buy your book, all of that good stuff before I let you go. Uh, Everything's on nickpaulmagic.com or I'm on the Instagrams at realnickpaul. Awesome. And tell us the full to- uh, title of your book one more time. Oh, it's, uh, it's called Magically Introverted. And you can find it on the Amazons, uh, Audible, Apple Books, uh, or if you want to sign copy, nickpaulmagic.com. <laughs> awesome. Hey, there it is. All right, friends. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this like magical conversation. This has been so much fun. Uh, and as always, tune out, tune in, love you, mean it. Bye. We did it. Uh, thank you so much. That was so fun.